This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. I have a topic that some of my students in my course, How to Get Started, One Rental at a Time, have been asking for. So we have the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Langworthy from Maine Bean Counters. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be back. Yes, uh, folks, if you don't know it, Bob is actually a part of my course, How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. We had a conversation around seller financing and how to position seller financing so that the seller actually could appreciate and understand the tax advantages. So Bob is a member of the course uh, and a contributor to the content. So if you like that stuff, give him a shout on this video because I know a lot of you have commented that it was just amazing. So Bob, thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be part of the course. Awesome, man. So what we're going to do here is we're going to put something out on YouTube, even though it was asked by my students, just because we both like to help people. And this is really going to be kind of, I'll paint the picture and then we'll let you dive in. But a lot of people come to real estate investing and I hear things like this. It's like, hey, how can I come? I want to do real estate investing because I can hide income, right? Right. They're obviously talking about depreciation and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, the, the mindset of coming to real estate so you can report losses so that you can hide other income is, um, I guess it's an interesting idea, but we're in this business to make money, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm sure you've heard this conversation when you hear that, you know, how do you handle that as an accountant? Sure. So I equate it to a different type of business. When, when a mm. client says that to me, and says, oh, you know, I want to, you know, have some losses here to reduce my my taxable income. Then I I right away bring up, oh, what if, you know, the you started another small business? What if you started a smoothie shop down the road? Just intentionally lose money that way. <laughs> yeah. Just only charge a dollar for your smoothie. <laughs> That's right. Give them away. <laughs> and, and right, and and they start to see like, oh, well, yeah, I guess losing money isn't a good idea. And so then we can begin to have a conversation. Once we can appreciate that losing money isn't the goal that the only reason that we do all this hard work to buy these properties and renovate them and screen tenants and deal with all those things is so that we can make money. And it's not a bad thing um, to make money in real estate. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, how depreciation can help, but we should talk at the outset about um, the tax favored nature of real estate income. Yeah. Before we get into all this folks, you can already tell Bob knows what he's talking about. So Bob, uh, I, I'm assuming many people, I get asked, this is probably the second most common question. I always get asked for lawyers first. I don't know why that is, but accountants second. And I've always recommended you, uh, you and your organization, but how do you want people to follow you, reach out, you know, if they have questions or looking for an accountant, how do you want them to do that? Sure. They can, um, they can look up our website, mainbeancounters.com. It's Maine like the state. Um, and I am Bean Counter Bob on Instagram. They can follow me there. Bean Counter Bob. I love it. I'm not a I'm not a very frequent poster there. Um, I kind of I kind of go through fits and spurts, which probably um, uh, you know a marketing person would tell me is terrible. You should post yeah. regularly, like you do on YouTube, and that's how yeah. you get twenty thousand subscribers. Yeah, you post regularly. Yeah, daily, daily. Yeah, 
Yeah. So yeah, again, folks, if you have questions, you're looking for someone, reach out. Many of you have told me you've, you've reached out to Bob and I, that's awesome. And that's why we can get him back to answer questions like this. So it's, it works both ways. Um, so let's, so yeah, let's talk about why real estate's tax, the income is so tax favored because yeah, it is. Yep. Well, I went on this morning, um, there's a website called opensecrets.org and you get all kinds of data on um, the US government and Congress and it shows that uh, members of Congress invest more heavily in real estate than in any other industry. Oh, wow. Um, so it can't help but impact the decisions that they yeah, make. You would think. Look at, <laughs> right? So when you look at real estate, currently, we still have the 1031 exchange as an option, which mm -hmm. is fantastic for deferring capital gains. You can do a cost segregation study to speed up your depreciation. Those are unique to only real estate right mm -hmm. now. No other industries. But let's talk about what happens when you do earn income in real estate and you have to pay some tax on it. Here's some of the taxes you don't have to pay. Mm. You don't have to pay Social Security on your rental income. You don't have to pay Medicare. So therefore, you don't have to pay any self-employment tax. You don't pay any federal unemployment. You don't pay any state unemployment. Wow. There's no workers' comp or anything of the sort. There's no other state or local taxes that people may have on their income. So you're only paying your ordinary income tax rate on your rental income, not all these other taxes. So you've got multiple ways in which real estate income is favored, and it's set up that way by Congress. Yeah. And do you, I don't know if you know this, but I'll ask anyway. If you were to add all of those up, if, you know, if the taxes was coming off of income, like mm -hmm. wages, is that like 5 or 6% or what, what would those roughly add up to? Any idea? Well, Social Security and Medicare um, comes in two halves, the employee half and the okay. employer half, and they're the same, 7.65% each. Oh, wow. And so just as an employee, you would save 7.65%. If you're self-employed, then it's 15.3%, oh, plus God. you've got the unemployment tax. So yeah, uh, the uh, yeah, unemployment federal and state. So there's, it's just, it's not an it's not It's not nothing. Amount. That's right. That's right. Yep. Wow, that's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then you know you do have other goodies, right? I think where a lot of newbie investors come to this is they hear about these big boys and they're really doing cost segregation or they're bring, they're, they're you know depreciating everything in one year, accelerated depreciation, mm -hmm. and they're producing these huge incomes and they have no taxes, right? That's what yeah. they hear. Yep. Right. And depreciation and all these other things can be magical. Um, so why don't we why don't we talk about that? Uh, because again, it, it can help, but I, I do sure. want people to realize there is also a, a, a threshold, right? If you make a certain number at your W-2, you could take your cash flow recognition to zero, but it's not going to ever go against or your, your wages. Is that correct? Let's talk about that. So that's, okay. that's true. So there are um, what we call passive activity loss rules. So I'm going to get into some definitions here. And if you're watching this, just feel free to go back. Or feel free to skip ahead <laughs> if you're not interested. Um, but uh, passive activities are ones in which the um, taxpayer doesn't materially participate. So it could be you're a partner in a partnership as an investor, um, and that's it. You get a K-1. Mm -hmm. Or um, your real estate is considered a passive activity. And so what Congress has, has said, what the tax code says, is you cannot claim those losses unless um, your modified adjusted gross income is less than $150,000. There's actually a phase out from 100 to 150. Wow. 
Um, and in which case, if you're under that threshold, you can claim up to $25,000 per year in losses. And in just a minute, we'll talk about what happens if you're over that. The other way that you can claim losses from real estate is if you are a real estate professional. And that's uh, a designation with a lengthy um, definition. The short version of it is you need to spend more than 750 hours per year doing actual real estate activities that do not include research, study, education, looking for your next deal, looking through your financials. None of those things count towards it. So you, you basically, the real estate professional designation is for the person who's a part-time realtor or um, they're doing uh, a lot of management of their properties, uh, something of the sort, then they could fit that real estate professional designation and then claim more than $25,000 in losses against their rental income. Uh, I bring this up because one of the scenarios that I run into is I'll have, it's happened with a couple of uh, doctor clients who have, uh, you know, they're making three, $400,000 a year and they want to reduce that. They've already maxed out their 401k or 403b contributions. They've maxed out their HSA and there's just not a whole lot else they can mm -hmm. do. And so they bring up real estate because they've heard mm -hmm. real estate can reduce your taxable income. And that's when I have to have the, the, <laughs> the unfortunate conversation with them that because you make so much, yes. it won't reduce your taxable yeah. income. That's, that's um, what but, my accountant told me every year for a decade. He's like, yeah, right. You want it? You want to take advantage of this? Make less money. I'm like, huh? <laughs> then I tell them the good news though. I say, here's the good news. If you do have surplus cash at the end of the year, because you make a good income, you can invest in real estate and leverage that money and make a really good return yeah. in real estate. So don't think of real estate only as a way to lose money. Think of it as a way to make money. Buy yourself a lake house and rent that thing out for all but two weeks in the summer and have yeah. it pay for itself and make money. There's a lot of things that that higher income person can do. Now, your higher income earner and your rental has lost money. Yeah. What do you do with this loss? So that's a question that, that comes up. That is the a la carry forward. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's I know it all too well. Loss. Yes. yes, and it carries forward. And it carries forward until one of two things happens. Uh, either one, the real estate makes money. So you've got $50,000 of losses carrying forward. And then you have a year uh, which you make 20,000. Those carry forward losses would reduce that income down to zero. And now you'd have 30,000 carrying forward. Yep. So that's a positive thing. And, and if that doesn't happen, then you can claim those carry forward losses um, against income at the sale of the property. Correct. And it gets uh, all taken care of there. So you never, you never lose the losses. You just don't get the immediate benefit of them. Um, it's a delayed benefit. Yeah. And again, folks, this really goes to a mindset. I, I happen to work in the Silicon Valley. Lots of people around me make more than 150 and they're always squawking. I'm going to do real estate because I got to write off my, my tax. I'm like, nope. Nope. Let me introduce you to carry forward. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. again, it's a mindset, right? So the other thing I want to make very clear is I have several properties that I bought early in my career where let's just say I had $1,000 in real passive income, right? Real cash flow. I yeah. can take that to zero, right? I can take that real income with depreciation, assuming the structure is right. And I can take that to zero. And if I have, you know, let's just say I had $2,000 in, in losses total, most of that's because of depreciation. The first thousand, 
will take me to zero and then I'll carry forward a thousand dollars. Is that correct in that simple example? That's correct. In that example, that's how that would work. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. again, you can, if you, this is, this is back to a point I sometimes get around, like how much leverage do I have? How much do I want? Right. Because some of the people I work with have enough cash in equity where they could write checks for properties, theoretically, right? Wire, yep. really wire. Yep. And I'm like, well, you know what? Instead of buying one, why don't you buy two at an LTV of 50%? So you have that interest income or that interest write-off. And then you could, you know, you'll get closer to zero, right? Because you can theoretically put the, the picture together where, you, you know, where you close to zero, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, if, you, if you really do the math. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you'll see, you know, I've seen it in, in comments on your, uh, on your videos and elsewhere. People talk about uh, buying rental real estate with cash because mm-hmm. that's uh, what Dave Ramsey proposed. Of course he and, does. And, Terrible and, advice. Um, it's if you run the numbers and you look at buying a $200,000 house with cash or four $200,000 homes exactly. with $50,000 down on each of those, you come out way ahead with the four homes over the one home. Oh, um, and it's absolutely. a risk tolerance issue. Sure. You know, some people, they're going to go that route anyway. I'm not mad at them. I'm happy no. for them. They can write that check. You yeah. Know, congratulations. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, you, you do come out ahead. Um, using leverage wisely. I mean, we don't want to be, oh, you know, yeah. uh, get carried away with it, but yeah, um, yeah it's definitely um, the way to go when you're investing in rental real estate. Yeah, folks. And again, do the math, right? I did a video with Matt, the mortgage guy, I think two or three weeks ago, just using ordinary, you know, just assumed a buyer and paid cash, 50% down, 25% down, 20%. And the, the difference between a 25% down loan, which gives you the best rates and cash was astronomical. Not to mention yeah. the fact that we didn't even get into depreciation and how you could hide most of that cash in legal legal write-offs. Again, going back to the fact, what was it? OpenSecret.com or what was it? OpenSecrets.org. Uh, .org, sorry. Yep. Again, um, Congress owns a lot of real estate. So That's right. you know, depreciation, is uh, it's legal. Right? Some people look at it like, how can you write that off? My building's not getting less valuable. I don't, I don't, I don't ask those questions. It's, <laughs> right. it's in the, it's in the tax code. I don't argue with the IRS. It's like, it's yeah. there. So take it. Yeah. Your building is actually getting more valuable. Exactly. How does that work? Yeah. 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 So any other conversations we should just have with that person who's maybe caught the bug, they don't own anything yet, but maybe they're coming at it from the, I don't necessarily say the wrong angle, but they're, they're looking to use real estate to quote unquote, lose money. So they save taxes on their ordinary income. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd borrow from you and say, Hey, no alligators. Exactly. We, we do not want to be losing money. We, no. it, it is too investing in real estate for I'll use air quotes, passive income. Yeah. I think we all know if we've done, you know, a couple of deals, it's not exactly passive. Yeah. Um, it's hard work. And so, yeah, we expect a return for our time and our energy and uh, losing money intentionally is always a bad idea. Yeah. And again, the math, again, the last thing I'll say on this is the math is pretty straightforward, right? It's not mm-hmm. calculus or trigonometry or, you know, some advanced quantum mechanics or some crazy thing. It's, it's addition, subtraction, multiplication, and addition. And you really can do the simple math to go, Hey, I'm going to be about this. And that's why I thought the 25% down was just kind of like the perfect angle. And then you add on top of that, uh, where you'll probably come out from a tax consequence. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leverage is good. Conservative leverage is good. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So what we're going to do here is we're going to have a second episode, Bob, where we're going to talk vocabulary and definitions. If you're hungry to understand all this verbiage, that will be the episode for you. But before we get there, Bob, 
how many, uh, how do you want people to reach out? Cause you're going to get a lot of clients from this, I assume. They can reach out to me uh, through our website, mainbeancounters.com. That's Maine, like the state. Um, they can follow me on Instagram. I am beancounterbob on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me there as well. That's how I found you the first time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And, folks, and bigger just, pockets, too. Bigger I pockets. mean, we're both on bigger pockets. So, yeah. yeah. And just so you know, folks, Maine, the state, it has an E on the end, just so you know. Just, it's true. Just don't type in Maine without the E. Uh, so, Bob, thank you very much. I look forward to episode number two. Great. Thank you.